God has a history of showing up in dramatic fashion. In Exodus, we have God descending on Mount Sinai with clouds, thunder, and lightning to meet with Moses. God again descends on Mount Horeb to meet with Elijah. And God again descends on the tabernacle and the temple to take God's seat on the ark in the Holy of Holies. As Jesus prepares to complete his ministry and mission on earth, he goes up on the mountain to pray. God's glory meets Jesus there, and Peter, John, and James witness Jesus' transfiguration. What does this story mean to us? Where do we find God showing up in our lives and modern world? Join lay Pastor Mary Scheidler and Pastor Jason Schiller this week for the sermon from Community Presbyterian Church. Let's pray. Lord God, the word that goes forth from your mouth does not return empty but accomplishes what you intend. Now plant your word within us and pour out your spirit upon us so that we may bear good fruit for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Exodus. It's uh, called Moses' Brightly Shining Face. Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and he came down from the mountain with two covenant tablets in his hand. Moses didn't realize that the skin of his face shone brightly, and all the Israelites saw the skin of Moses' faith shining brightly, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called them closer, So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and Moses spoke with them. After that, all the Israelites came near as well, and Moses commanded them everything that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went into the Lord's presence to speak with him, Moses would take the veil off and come out again. When Moses came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the skin of Moses' face was shining brightly. So Moses would put the veil on his face again until the next time he went in to speak with the Lord. Our second reading is Psalm 99. The Lord rules, the nations shake. He sits enthroned on on winged heavenly creatures. The earth quakes. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them thank your great and awesome name. He is holy. Strong king who loves justice, you are the one who established what is fair. You work justice and righteousness in Jacob. Magnify the Lord our God, bow low at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, Samuel too among those who called his name. They cried out to the Lord, and he himself answered them. He spoke to them from a pillar of cloud. He kept the laws and the rules of God that God gave to them. Lord our God, you answered them. To them you are a God who forgives, but also the one who avenged their wrong deeds. Magnify the Lord our God. 
bow low at his holy mountain, because the Lord our God is holy. There are some passages that come up that really bring out the Bible nerd in me. There is a large Bible nerd living within me. And most weeks, it's me restraining that for your all benefit to not get too deep into the weeds. But this week, this passage is one of those that I can't help it. There's just so much going on. So our, our scripture this week is from Luke 9, 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless, and at the time told no one what they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. I love the Bible. I love studying the Bible. I love studying the Bible with other people. I love teaching the Bible. Because the Bible is so complex, and there are layer upon layer of meaning and interactions between different stories. And this is one of those stories we find a lot of that going on. Today we celebrate Transfiguration Sunday. This story of Jesus going up onto the mountain and before Peter, John, and James being changed before the events of Holy Week. A lot is going on. God shows up at many points in the Old Testament, and each time it's very dramatic. Dramatic things happen, and each time it's described with Moses on Mount Sinai when he goes up and a cloud descends and thunder and lightning are surrounding the mountain the whole time Moses is up there. When Elijah goes up on the mountain and the cloud descends and God shows up. When the tabernacle, the portable temple, was set up and God descended on the Holy of Holies with what's described like a cloud and thunder. 
And when the temple was dedicated, finally the permanent temple built, God again descends in a cloud with shows of power. I often wonder why this is. Why in these instances is it such a dramatic entry by God into our world? And I don't have any good answers, but we see this pattern over and over of God showing up. So Jesus, going up to this mountain, knowing what is ahead, planning for what's to take place on Holy Week, God shows up again with Peter and John and James there to witness. We often talk about Jesus being equally divine and equally human. There's 100% of both at play all the time in Jesus. Most of the time, we see Jesus as humanity. We connect with Jesus on a human level. You know, God's kind of unknowable and hard to wrap our brains around, but Jesus is someone we can identify with. Jesus lived a human life like us, experienced joy and sorrow and suffering. We can connect with Jesus. But in this instance, when Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray, the divinity of Jesus breaks through. No longer contained by his human form, the disciples gathered there with him get a glimpse of what the Hebrews called the glory of God. A very specific term used only to describe God's glory. And the New Testament writers use it here as well. The glory of God descends. The glory of God is present in Jesus and it's something that cannot be contained. And it has an effect on everything around it. In the story from Exodus that Mary read, Moses, having been up on the mountain with God for weeks, finally comes down, unaware of how he has been touched by God's glory. His face is shining to the people. And they are afraid. He's unaware that God's glory rests on him as he speaks for God to the people. God's glory is always described as light. A white light that is like the sun. That is how God's glory is always described. In the rabbinic tradition, as people have written about the glory of God, it is always in the realm of light. A light that shines like a thousand suns. Something that can't be mistaken for anything else. A lot of things we can explain away. We can come up with, you know, ways to justify things or to kind of explain things that happen in our world that maybe we don't fully understand. But when God's glory shows up, there is no other explanation for the people. It is that profound. It is that life-changing.
Jesus' face shone. And in the Matthew reading, it says, like the sun. With the brightness of the sun. His clothes glow with the same brightness. And here we have a meeting point between heaven and earth. Moses and Elijah. Moses, the one who the law was given to, and Elijah, the greatest of the prophets, come to be with Jesus. To talk with him about what's to come. glory of God touched Peter and James and John that day also. In the Gospel of John, John talks about the glory of God as light. Light is such a dramatic theme in John's Gospel because John was there to see it, to witness God's glory, to stand in its presence, the radiating light of God's glory. And he was forever changed. Each of them was forever changed. And would go on to be beacons of light in this world. Stories like this, stories that echo Moses on the mountain, and Elijah in the Old Testament, and God showing up at the temple, also push us in our understanding of how God works in this world. And for Peter and for James and for John, it pushed their understanding of where God is. Because God had been so tied to the human temple for so long, and yet the glory of God had not shown itself in 600 years. It shows that God is not tied to the temple. God was not bound to the walls of the temple as the Pharisees had been describing for so long. In fact, God has never been tied to anything humans have ever created, always existing outside of them, always finding places to connect with us in ways we didn't expect. Peter, John, and James were not expecting anything to take place. They had gone up with Jesus to pray many times before. They would go up again. They had no idea what was coming. Yet they were witnesses to God's glory. For us, as we read this story, never having an encounter like this, if you have, please tell me. I would like to hear about it. But as we read a story like this, we can be tempted to explain it away, to try and come up with some kind of rational explanation of this. But one of the reasons I love the Bible is that there's so much mystery involved that we just have to sit with and be in awe of. We have to sit with this story and be in awe of it, of Jesus radiating God's glory, of its impact on the three who were gathered with him on its impact on the church as it was founded, on its continued impact on us as a continuation of that church. Although we were not in the presence of God's glory that day, 
The outpouring of the Holy Spirit brings the glory of God to dwell within us. So that we too are to go out into this world and shine like a thousand suns in the darkness. To radiate God to others. So that there is no mistaking what's taking place. There is no way to explain it in any other way than the presence of God in this world. Sit with that. And embrace it. Embrace your place in the church as a child of God, as one loved and called by God, as one who radiates the very face of God. Our world needs it. If the events of this last week help us prove anything, is that our world needs it now more than ever. People radiating God's light in the darkness. The darkness of war and aggression and hate and anger and all of the things we are inundated with day in and day out. We are called to radiate God's glory in the darkness. Amen. Friends, as we go out from this time of worship, know that you go out with the very glory of God dwelling within you. The spirit that burns brighter than a thousand suns dwells within you. So go out into this world filled with darkness and shine God's light. Be God's light for others. Show God's glory to others so that they too might dwell in the glory of God. So go out in joy. Give thanks for God's victory over death for the home you have in Christ Jesus, the solid rock, and for the word of God that sustains all things in faith and hope, remembering the log in your vision, live with compassion for others, rejoice and give thanks always, and all God's people joyfully said, Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 